So we are slowly coming into land on our series, our journey together called I Am. Remember, it's not about you and me. This is about our God. Our God, in the name of our God is I Am. And the reason that this journey is so important comes from our, our text, our series text, uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. It says, the name of the Lord is strong tower, a mighty fortress, the righteous run to it and they are safe. And here's the thing, the more we know, those who know their God will do great things. Now here's the reality. We don't know if times will get easier or tougher. You're going to have difficult moments. You're going to face crisis. You're going to face all of these things. In that moment, I don't want you to be unprepared. God doesn't want you to be unprepared. We don't want you to give in to fear, have it all fall down. No, in those moments, those who know their God have a strong tower. We know, but God, you are Jehovah Adonai, majestic God of all. You've got this. Lord God, you are Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides, not the bank, not the company. You are my provider. You've got this. You are Jehovah Kwana. Remember that one, the jealous God, jealous for us, wanting us, keeping us in covenant with him. And so it goes on and on. Well, I want to talk today about a beautiful one. And let me start off by reading a scripture to you from Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6. It says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. Now, straight away, you know who that is, don't you? You can understand through the lens of now the New Testament, prophesied 500 years before Jesus, I will raise up for you a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. In fact, I love the the King James Version. It says, this will be his name whereby he shall be called, the Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah Sadiq. There we go. S-E-D-E-Q. Haven't a clue how to say that Hebrew word. But here it is. This is his name. This is how he will be called, Jehovah Sadiq, the Lord, our righteousness righteousness. That word is, uh, it means righteousness, justice, rightness, acting according to a proper, to God's standard, doing what is right, being in the right. What is righteousness? The Lord, our righteousness. What is, righteousness is very simply rightness. That's how you can remember. Righteousness is rightness. When you're in right standing or right relationship with someone. Have you ever, maybe you've been in this situation, or maybe you've seen it on the movie or something, where, uh, where uh, two people, they love each other, they've had a huge fight, and, and then they've tried to resolve the differences, and then it's like, are we good? <laughs> you know, are we good? Have, have we dealt? Have we cleared the air? Have we removed the barrier? Have we taken away what used to be driving us apart has now been removed? Are we good? That's righteousness. It's righteousness, God, God, our righteousness. And we're going to understand today what that means and how that applies to our lives. Now, this thing of righteousness, Paul the apostle, before Paul was that great apostle, Paul was an angry Pharisee. Now, if you know your, your Bible history, we have this, uh, this amazing story about this Pharisee, this young Pharisee, And it says in the Word of God, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, it says, Meanwhile, Saul 
was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Isn't that an amazing description? I mean, this is Saul, this guy who eventually became Paul the great apostle. Now he's still Saul, this angry Pharisee breathing out murderous threats against the disciples. Why? He went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Why was this guy Saul who became Paul, why was he so mad? Why was he so passionate to persecute the church? In one word, righteousness. You see, Paul was righteous. In fact, he was so righteous, he was proud of his righteousness. Paul was that guy who did everything perfectly in terms of the law, in terms of every command, in terms of every tradition, in terms of every, his whole life was dedicated to righteousness. If you want to know what it means to see the perfect servant of God, Paul was righteous. He worked hard for it and he was proud of it. And then come these, these Jesus followers, bunch of freaks. Now they're saying, uh-uh, no, we're righteous by following Jesus. He is righteous for us. We just trust in him. Flip, not a chance. You work for your righteousness. You want to be righteous with God. Here's the law. Here are the commands. Here are the traditions. Obey this if you want to be righteous. No, no, we trust in Jesus. He's our righteousness. Yo, that made Paul furious. You're going to destroy the purity and the holiness. And that's why Paul was so mad. How can you tell me you are righteous like me just because you trust in this man, Jesus? And so he was out to destroy it. In fact, I think this is the very reason that Jesus chose Paul, because of his passion for righteousness. So what Jesus did is he just, well, humbled him, blinded him, and then opened his eyes to the wonder of who Jesus is. When Paul understood there's a new way of righteousness, that same passion that he had for his self-arrogant righteousness, he now became passionate about the righteousness of Jesus. And so God could take this man who understood righteousness and use him. Listen to what it said about Paul in, uh, in Philippians 3 verses 4 to 6. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence... If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, tick. Of the people of Israel, tick. Of the tribe of Benjamin, tick. Hebrew of Hebrews, tick. In regard to the law of Pharisee, double tick. As for zeal, persecuting the church, double tick. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. This is Paul. Righteous and proud of it. And that's why when he understood that God has created a new way of us becoming right with God, when his eyes were opened, it changed everything. Let me first ask this question. Why then is righteousness such a huge thing? Let me give you two basic reasons. Reason number one, righteousness is so important because it's the requirement for heaven. There is nothing unrighteous, no one unrighteous is allowed in heaven because God is holy and just and sinless. And so anyone who's unrighteous, sorry, you cannot come into the presence of a righteous, holy God. So in other words, the requirement for heaven, righteousness, 
The requirement for the kingdom of God, righteousness. The requirement to come into the Father's presence, righteousness. In fact, Jesus said it like this in Matthew 5 and verse 20. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You want to get in the kingdom of heaven? You've got to be righteous. Reason number two, why is righteousness so important? It's not just your ticket into heaven one day. It's not just your ticket into the presence of the Father, into His kingdom. But actually, righteousness is the requirement of that covenant that we've just celebrated. Now remember, we live, a covenant is an agreement. God says, I will be your God, you will be my people. What does that mean? I will give you favor, forgiveness, and healing. The blessing and favor of God spoken over Abraham, I will make your name great. You will become a great nation. All nations on earth will be blessed through you. The favor of God will be upon you if you are righteous. That's why righteousness is such a huge thing. It said in Galatians 3, 6 to 9. So also Abraham, this is what God said, believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Why is that important? Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Righteousness is rightness with God, which is the covenant condition and requirement for heaven. Have I convinced you that righteousness is important? Of course, the big question now, okay, how? <laughs> how do we become righteous in God's eyes? If you go, uh, if you wanted to fly to America, the United States or something, you'd have to fill in a visa application, most of you anyway. And, uh, and part of your visa application, there's going to be a question, do you have a criminal record? Now, here's the thing. It's a yes, no answer. There's not a paragraph that you can write, well, I might have done a couple of things right, but I'm sure the law really knows my heart. And compared to most of the people, actually, I've done minor misdemeanors. No, 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 no. It's a question, yes or no. So most people, when they think righteous, it's like, well, kind of, I mean, compared to Steve, I'm quite righteous. But uh, it's not, it doesn't ask, it's a yes or no question. You are righteous or you are not righteous. And just in case any of you are still, oh, this is tough to me, the Bible actually tells us. It makes it very easy. In Romans 3 verse 10, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. So won't you just tell the person that you're sitting next to, sorry about that, you are not. You are not. Your righteousness is not enough. Yeah, that goes for you guys on TV and at home as well. Facebook, YouTube, you're not either. Basically what it means then, is we've got two options, two ways that we can, because now we're starting from a place of unrighteousness. Now, this is tough. That's why I get Steve to do the baby dedications nowadays, because, you know, people always, they, they're a bit deluded when they bring their babies to us pastors. They dress them up in floral white little dress type things as if they pure, pure, know they've got sinful hearts. And it's tough, it's tough to tell parents when all they see is this perfect little baby, mm, inside there's a sinful heart. But here's the thing, we're born unrighteous. It's, it's how we come out of the womb, already our hearts are inclined towards sinfulness more than towards holiness. 
So how do we get from unrighteous to righteous in God's eyes? There's two roads. First one is, well, it's called self-righteousness, where you work hard to do everything right. And by, me, by right, I mean right, 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 right. I mean, you obey everything God has ever... In other words, God's way is perfect. God's way is holy and just and right and pure. So if you do it, you will be righteous because you're doing everything right. Obeying the commandments, doing exactly the right thing. Many have tried. Everyone has failed except one, the righteous one. Remember that prophetic word that Isaiah said at the beginning? But... I will raise up a branch, the righteous one, Jehovah Sadiq. Some try through good church attendance. Some try through moralistic lifestyle. Some try through judgmental, being judgmental of others because you actually quite feel quite righteous if you think you're doing better than others. So the more you can criticize other people, the more righteous you feel. I mean, it's true, isn't it? And sadly, some people have made a kind of hobby of that, always looking down. Sadly, the church has become known for that. Bunch of, 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 of just judgmental, critical. We, we should be the most humble people in the world. The last thing we should ever be is those who criticize others for their sinfulness when you've had a glimpse of your own heart. It didn't work for the Pharisees, and it's not going to work for you. So I want you to take a moment right now, because sometimes in our mind, we're still on this track. If I just keep doing the right thing, I'll be right with God. Honestly, you won't. Everyone who's tried has failed except one, the righteous one. Option two, and this is beautiful, instead of earning your righteousness through hard work, you can receive someone else's righteousness as a gift. This is why the good news is such good news. Let me say it again. Instead of working hard for your own righteousness, you can receive someone else's righteousness as a gift. And that's the game changer. That's why the good news is called the good news. God has revealed throughout the Old Testament that we can receive someone else's righteousness. Let me give you two quick examples. Adam and Eve blew it. Okay, They, they were righteous in God's eyes. That's why God could come and fellowship with them every evening. They were in the garden of God's presence. Everything was going well until they sinned. Sin straight away puts a barrier between man and God. Adam and Eve, their first instinct was cover their nakedness, which was a picture of their shame and guilt. Let's hide from God. God calls them out. Now they've tried to cover themselves with fig leaves because they know I'm feeling guilty and shameful. So God kills the first sign of death in the whole creation. Up to then, I don't think anything had ever died. God kills probably a little lamb or something, takes the skin, and covers Adam and Eve's nakedness. Right there, he's showing them, you can receive the gift of someone else's righteousness to cover your sinfulness. Remember the Passover lamb? Same thing. Angel of death was about to bring judgment, and God said, take a lamb. A lamb, the spotless lamb, one year old. Slaughter that lamb. Take the righteousness of this little lamb and you can paint his blood over the doorpost of your home and the angel of judgment will pass over. So when John the Baptist saw Jesus, his cousin, walking next to the Jordan River, what did he say? Behold, the lamb of God 
who takes away the sin of the world. So either you work for your own righteousness or you can receive someone else's righteousness as a gift. And there is only one who is righteous, only one who earned his own righteousness. It's beautiful. Here's a passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to land it with just two implications. In Romans chapter 3, this is now Paul, remember, who was Saul, angry Pharisee because he was passionate about righteousness. Now he writes one of the most beautiful passages about righteousness. And let me read from Romans chapter 3, verses 21. Paul says this, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Let's go back to that verse. But now, but now, say now. Now meant the cross of Jesus was the turning point of history because now, up to that point, there was one road of righteousness, the law. If you want to be right with God, you obey the law and you it's self-righteousness to be right before God. But now means since the cross, the death and resurrection of Jesus, a new, the alternative route has now been opened that we can take. But now, apart from the law, that's huge. Because up to that, the only way to righteousness was through the law, through obedience, hard work to the law. It says, but now, a righteousness apart. In other words, your righteousness with God has got nothing to do with rules and regulations. If that penny would drop in your heart right now. And I'm saying this because it took about 20 years for this penny to drop in my heart. I've known Jesus for 30-something years, but it still took about 20 years to realize my right standing with God is not behavior-based. Still, we wired towards thinking, if I'm being a good Christian, doing things right, God must be smiling upon me. And if I've messed up, oh, God, you don't want to... No, no. This righteousness now is a part of from law, apart from rules and regulations, apart from behavior. It says, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed. Not self-righteousness, not your righteousness, but an even better righteousness. It's the righteousness of God. The gift that you received is not man's righteousness that Jesus, no, no, it's God's righteousness, which is so much better than any righteousness we could hope to attain. Now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given, is given. It's not earned. Oh, let this penny drop in our house. This righteousness is given. You cannot earn it. Try as you must. Now remember, our hearts are hardwired towards earning things. Surely I've got to do something to earn this. Cause and effect. This righteousness is given. It's a gift. You cannot earn it. You can only learn to receive it. Is given how? Through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There it is. That's the focus. You see, the focus used to be law. And still, hear hear my heart. Some of us Christians live our lives. What's the right thing to do? Where's sin? Is this sin not sin? No, that's not the focus. The focus is trusting in Jesus, trusting in Jesus. The more we focus on do's and don'ts, we get back into this because now either we feel self-righteous or self-condemned. Focus on Jesus. 
through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, there used to be this big separation, the Jews, the people of God, born righteous, die righteous, they are God's chosen people. Gentiles, well, that's everyone else, sorry for you. No, 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 no. Sin is the great equalizer, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and every one of us can receive that righteousness by faith in Christ. And all are justified freely, justified, just as if it had never happened, justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance, He'd left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. What does that mean for you and I? Let me land it with just two implications for us. Implication number one, you've got to choose. If you want to be right with God, there's two options. Option one, self-righteousness, where you're going to have to go that religious moral route where you work hard, strain hard, act righteous, act religious. It's all about your hard work and your effort. You'll probably become arrogant or you'll become condemned and feel worthless because you keep on getting it wrong. And I want to tell you up front, it doesn't work. It does not work. And so if deep inside of your heart you're still on option one, plan A, forget it. It does not end well. It ends in arrogance, like Paul, because you think you're the most righteous person around. Or it ends in condemnation and a feeling of failure, because you know what? You are going to fail. We can never. We've got a sinful heart that's pulling us towards sin. We need the Holy Spirit who can pull us towards holiness. I remember twice in my life that uh, I received a notification on my phone you just had a million rand dropped into the church bank account. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let me tell you both times what I did. I ran to the internet to check for myself. I mean, literally, that's what I did. You, know, you think, oh, some kind of scam. This is probably from some foreign country. No, 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 no. Ran to the internet, log in. One was the first building project. The other one was the second one when we got uh, the roof. And I remember, yo, yo, look at that. One, two, three. That's actually what I did. I mean, I'm told the news, but I wanted to check. I wanted to see in the bank. How do you know? How do you know that righteousness has been credited to you? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. I mean, how do you know? can, Can we check like our righteous bank account to see, have I received the righteousness of God? Well, there's no bank account you can check, but there's something better. You can check on your current state of righteousness by going directly to the very throne room of God in prayer. You see, remember, anything unrighteous cannot come into the presence of God. The Bible tells us in uh, Hebrews 4.16, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy. But why would you need mercy if you're perfectly holy and spotless and squeaky clean? You wouldn't. So the people it's talking about here 
are people who come before this holy God, but they actually need mercy. How's that possible? Righteousness has been given as a gift. They will receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You can go right now, humbly but boldly, before the presence of your Father. And every time we come before God with humble hearts and faith in Jesus, we find His grace and His mercy. That's how you will know that you have the righteousness of Jesus. Does that make sense? And that's, that should be our reflex action. Father, I'm coming before you once again. So one, choose the right option. Don't try your own self-righteousness. I don't want to be that person. I don't want us as a church to be those people who are looking to our own self-righteousness. No, no. We look to Jesus. He is Jehovah Sadiq, our righteousness. And lastly then, then we've got to let the truth about righteousness set us free. Think with me for a moment. If Paul was so angry about this new way of righteousness because it offended him, think about how angry the devil must be about this new way of righteousness. I think he's quite happy as long as there's hundreds of rules and regulations. No one's going to get there anyway. I think the devil is probably quite happy. Now, what do you mean trust in Jesus? Oh, the sign, the cross, the sign of the devil's defeat right there. He must hate this righteousness. And I think he attacks it in a couple of ways. And he's going to attack it by trying to get you and me to submit our lives to one of his clever lies. Because if we can, he can get us to believe in one of his lies and submit our lives to one of his lies, then the power of the righteousness of Jesus won't work in our lives. Let me give you three examples. Example number one, there's no such thing as a free lunch. I mean, it's just a typical saying, but that becomes a way of thinking in people's lives. What's the catch? There's no such thing as a free lunch. You know, what I mean, righteousness given to me. And so, because we know, no, 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 there's no such thing as free, how can this righteousness be free? And so we cannot accept, we will not allow our hearts to truly believe this is a gift of God's grace, and so we still keep trying to earn it, earn it, earn it. We get into religious modes, we get into religious traditions, hard work, all of these things so that our hearts at least feel like, well, at least I'm doing my part. You cannot do your part. Your part is simply to trust the finished work of Jesus. My mom, bless her heart, brought us up on a little bit of a wonky theology when I was young. I've shared it before. When uh, we went to one of those very traditional slash boring churches, but she says it's boring on purpose because it's kind of like, well, in some ways, God's punishment for all of your bad stuff you did this week. And so it kind of balances the scales. You've been bad this week. And so church is meant to be like really boring so that you can suffer for some of your sins and balance the scales. Bless her heart. That is a heresy. It is wrong. It's wrong. Mom, I hope you heard that. It's wrong. We're not, I hope church is not boring for you. But, but our minds want to in some way balance it. What do I have to do to keep up my righteousness? Don't allow the enemy to get you to bow your knee. This righteousness of Jesus is a gift that requires humility to receive by faith, not to earn by work. Here's another one, another lie the enemy might try and get you to buy into. I don't trust anyone but myself. Mm, Good luck with that one, okay? 
Because here's the thing. If you're going to trust no one but yourself, you're going to trust in my own religious efforts. That's what happens. Someone who doesn't trust others means you don't trust Jesus. And so you're going to hold on to at least I've got to feel like I'm in control of my destiny, which gives us that religious type of mindset where we're trying to earn, earn. Surely I've got to suffer. I've got to punish myself. I've got to do extra this, extra this. It's all about us trying to earn our way. No, no. We trust in the name of the Lord. But that requires humility. I heard a quote recently. You all know that I have many faults, but God knows that being wrong is not one of them. (laughs) The reality is, it's just arrogance to, to trust in ourselves, to trust in our own sense of righteousness. We trust in God alone. And let me land with this one. This is a big one. I just don't feel righteous. I don't feel it. I, don't feel, I feel dirty. I feel unworthy. I feel condemned. Faith is trusting the truth of God's word more than your fickle feelings. My righteousness is a person and not my performance. We've got to settle now that if a, a person who lives by faith or are we people who live by feeling? Because the devil will delight in making you feel condemned, unworthy, dirty, broken, messed up. But that's why we carry the shield of faith. No, no. The Word of God says my righteousness is His righteousness given to me. That penny has got to drop deep inside of us. God says you are forgiven, you are cleansed, you are a new creation. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Jehovah Sadiq. He is our righteousness. I pray for every single one of us today that we would know without a doubt my righteousness, my right standing with God is not based on my performance. It's not based on my ability. It's not based on my feelings. It's based on what Jesus Christ has done for me. And when we trust in Him, God credits, gives to us the righteousness of Christ. And righteousness is the thing that brings us into perfect relationship with our Father. Amen? Please let this revelation go into your heart. Please fight for this revelation. He is my righteousness. Amen. Why don't you stand with me, please? Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you sent Jesus dying on the cross in our place for our sin, raised from the dead. Jesus, you are our righteousness. And Father, I want to pray right now for every single one of us. Friends, I don't know where your heart is right now. Maybe you're not feeling righteous, but today you've discovered it's not about how you feel at all. It's about Jesus Christ who is our righteousness. Maybe you are like an angry Saul. No, no, I want people to see how hard I do this Christian thing, rules, regulation. I'm calling you to repent today. The Word of God calls us to repent. 
Friends, I want us to open wide our hearts in faith. And Father, I pray for a revelation moment right now. Jesus Christ, our righteousness. I pray, Lord God, that the burden of self-effort, of hard work would be lifted. I pray that the lies of the enemy, I feel unworthy. I trust no one but myself. There's no such thing as a free lunch. I've got to earn it. Break those lies in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And friends, just while our eyes are closed, wherever you might be, if you have never received the righteousness of God, His name is Jesus Christ. And by faith, by trust, what it means is that you're going to need to open up your heart, bow your knee, and say, Jesus, I trust you more than I trust me. And I want to encourage you right now, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord, do so right now. With a simple prayer, Father, in Jesus' name, I bow my knee before you, and I humbly accept Jesus Christ as my Lord. I'm turning my back. I don't want to be ruled by sin. I don't want to be ruled by the world. I don't want to be ruled by my past. I want to be ruled by Jesus Christ, the righteous one. I give my life over to you completely. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I pray right now for every single one of us, those here gathered at the building, those online. Father, I pray that by your mighty hand, you would keep each one of us safe and strong. Thank you for your protection. Thank you that we are in covenant with you, a covenant of favor, forgiveness, and healing. And Father, I thank you that your gracious hand rests upon each one of us in Jesus' name. And God's people say, May the Lord bless you. Thank you. May the Lord bless you. Thank you. May the Lord.